0: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Questions for Corbett. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan here in late November of 2022 with edition 93 of the Questions for Corbett series, wherein we take our prompt this week from a email that came in from Kevin, who wrote, I know you're a busy man, but I was wondering if you could help me out. I'm not a very heavy book reader, but my son is. I was hoping you had a few good ones up your sleeve that you might recommend. (laughs) Well, as you may have noticed (laughs) over the course of Questions for Corbett, what books do you recommend? What books are on your bookshelf? Do you have any books you can recommend? Is a frequent, (laughs) in fact, never-ending query that comes in (laughs) on an almost weekly basis, uh, sometimes more than one a week. Uh, And I have done many, 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 many book-related podcasts in the past. So I, rather than belaboring the point, I will just provide the handy dandy link to the books tag on corporatereport.com where you can go through all of the various book-related podcasts I've done in the past. But... People keep asking, so I'll keep recommending, and boy, (laughs) do I have a a data dump for you today. You like books? I got some books for you, Kevin, (laughs) and Kevin's son, and everyone else in the crowd. So rather than recommending everything under the sun, let's limit down the scope of today's recommendations, and we'll limit it down to a nice, small, bite-sized chunk of a few dozen books (laughs) on specifically the topic of Al-Qaeda. Why not? (laughs) So, uh, yes, for people hung up on the title of this Questions for Corbett, this is a false flags uh, reading list. But really, it's the reading list that accompanies my false flags documentary on the secret history of Al-Qaeda, parts one, two, and three. And yes, given the way the internet works... You will probably have forgotten already that oh yeah, James released the third part, the two-hour third part, c- encapsulating the as the as the denouement of the six-hour documentary "False Flags: The Secret History of Al Qaeda" just a couple of months ago. Couple months ago, that might as well have been a decade ago, right? Everyone's forgotten that that documentary exists. Well, I'm here to <laughs> politely remind you that that documentary exists. That, uh, yes, the five, five and a half hours of uh, material there is, of course, available for your viewing and listening pleasure. And you can read through the entire hyperlinked transcript, the 50,000 plus word transcript of that entire documentary at any time, completely for free at CorbettReport.com slash A-L-Q-A-E-D-A, CorbettReport.com slash Al-Qaeda. There's the one-stop shop, as it were, for that free documentary. But if you would like a actual physical copy of that documentary, well, uh, you're in luck. I have in my hot little hands the test... Print of the False Flags, The Secret History of Al-Qaeda 3 DVD set. That uh, This is just the test print. Uh, I'm just making sure it all lines up and looks good. But the actual copies, hot off the presses, are on their way to the Pilatos household there in uh, New uh, Mexico. So they will be there later this week. Uh, pre-orders are now available at newworldnextweek.com. You can pre-order and they will start shipping out next week. So... If you're interested in getting a physical copy of this, one to hand hand around, hey, a Christmas present, why not? It is now available at newworldnextweek.com. And to whet your appetite for that, why don't we start going through the dozens and dozens and dozens of books that I, uh, at, that I consulted for this documentary. In fact, we will not hit all of the books that I dipped into for this documentary. There are several books that I used various chapters of or little bits and snippets of uh, in the creation of that documentary, that are linked, of course, in that transcript, but that I didn't rely on or that didn't, uh, I haven't read in their entirety, so I won't go into the, those yet. Why don't we just start by, oh, I don't know, going over to the bookshelf and finding our uh, the handy-dandy 9-11 slash Al-Qaeda uh, section of the bookshelf and uh, uh, getting those books and these books, <coughs> and let's start going through them in no particular order. All right. Whew. That's a lot of books. And uh, <laughs> oh, we ain't done. <laughs> all right. So let's just dive into it. Now, as always, of course, I'm going to link up everything that I talk about. So if you didn't catch the name of that book or the author, don't worry. There will be an itemized book by book list that will accompany this at CorbettReport.com slash QFC dash FF books. I know that's a mouthful. But anyway, it will be on screen. Thank you, Brock. And you will have the hyperlinks directly to each book individually. So don't worry, you won't even have to type in anyone's name or anything like that into a search engine. You can just follow the links. So all of these books will be listed at the show notes there. Um, but let's get straight into it, because we have a lot to cover today. All right, uh, first up on the shelf, why not? The new Pearl Harbor Revisited by David Ray Griffin. subtitle 9-11, the cover-up, and the expose. Um, I am assuming that most of my regular audience will not need a great deal of introduction to this book. Um, I mean, obviously, it's... David Ray Griffin's material is well-known in the 9-11 truth space, I assume. If not, hey, okay, this might be a good start, starting point for some of your exploration from this. Uh, I forget what year this was published. Let's check on the fly here. Um, it was published first published in 2008. So, obviously, this is the state of 9-11 truth-like information as it stood in 2008. And um, this, in fact, um, was is sort of a companion book to the New Pearl Harbor. The New Pearl Harbor Revisited is kind of extending and updating some of that information from the New Pearl Harbor, which I think came out in 2004 or something along those lines. Um, So this was newer at the time information. Anyway, lots and lots of stuff, and I have stuff highlighted and certain things that made it into the documentary pieces of information. As I say, for people who are interested in sort of a general... 9-11 9-11 Al-Qaeda outline of 9-11 truth, at least as it stood in 2008. This is this is a pretty good guide, and it's got a lot of footnotes and uh, and research, which, obviously, from my perspective, is important. Um, let's go to the, uh, <laughs> why not? This should be on every false flag reading list, shouldn't it? The 9-11 Commission Report. As I have noted many, many times, it's surprising to me how many people talk about the 9-11 Commission. Commission, but do not, have not actually read the 9-11 Commission report, if you are serious about actually learning about the official story of 9-11, I would suggest it is worth your time to read this report, and in fact, it is important to know the certain buried nuggets of information that are contained in here, if only buried in footnotes, like footnote 44, chapter 6, was it? I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but I did cite it, for example, in the documentary itself, um, there is some important information in here, and there 's a lot of torture testimony, of course, as I talked about in my recent podcast on torturing the truth. Yes, of course, much of the nine eleven commission did source from torture testimony, and that, that should be kept in mind at all times when reading through this. But as I say, if you want to know the official story, I think you should probably familiarize yourself with it. It is worth your time if you are serious, a serious student of nine eleven shall we say. All right, so uh, while we're going through mainstream sort of stuff on this, why not uh, go to another source that is widely known, widely cited, The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright, uh, subtitled Al-Qaeda and the Road to 9-11. Um, this, what can you say? This is literally a Pulitzer Prize winning a book from Lawrence Wright that came out in 2006, correct me if I'm wrong, that was that's that formed a, a key part of the sort of the core foundational what we know of as 911 the, 11 the story of 911 that goes a bit beyond the 911 commission side of it and into the and it just steps its toes into certain areas of importance about the oh, what was this group then uh, the the, the, the uh, al-Qaeda cells or al-Qaeda linked cells question mark operating in the United States in the 1990s You'll remember a lot of that information, that sort of information from part two of the False Flags documentary, um, is touched on and is fleshed out here in various degrees of detail. There are certain points in here that I find uh, (laughs) genuinely humorous, like when Lawrence Wright cites how the the trainees in the al-Qaeda Afghan training camps would have movie night and would talk about different tactics and ideas that they would gain from Hollywood movies. Like, oh, I don't know, like Lawrence writes, The Siege was one of the the movies that he makes a point to say they were watching, along with Arnold Schwarzenegger movies were apparently the uh, Al-Qaeda jihadi favorites. Um, But anyway, there's lots and lots and lots of information. And Lawrence Wright has done some genuine journalism. So um, again, obviously, like with every book that I'm going to be talking about today, there are there, are, there is useful information and there is propaganda and it takes discernment to be able to understand the difference between the two. If you only read one book on Al-Qaeda and the al story, you're probably not going to have a very good understanding of the subject. But if you read dozens and dozens and dozens, including tomes like this one, you will have a better uh, idea how to sort the wheat from the chaff when it comes to things like this. Anyway, I think there, there is some valuable information in here that is worth knowing um, if we go to that story. Let's go to, actually, a book from from my past. I, I got this book, I think, originally in 2000... Uh, I want to say 2007, 2008, a long time ago, maybe 2009. I think I got this book, actually, when I was uh, doing the Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist documentary, which you might remember I played a flashback of a few uh, a few months ago, where I noted, well, essentially... The False Flags documentary is really the completion and the, the real a, a attainment of the goals that I set myself for that uh, Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist documentary. Well, one of the things that I did when I was researching that was um, buy and read Al-Qaeda by Jason Burke. You will remember is the person in The Power of Nightmares who um, talked about uh, 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 essentially Al-Qaeda as we know it, as this organization with card-carrying members, etc. doesn't exist. Um, so, I did read Al-Qaeda back in the day. Um, I remember almost nothing whatsoever from this, and I certainly didn't gain any valuable information that I really needed to put in this documentary. So, uh, it's not exactly a recommended book, but anyway, it's on the bookshelf. Um, speaking of books that aren't exactly recommended books, but hey, they're on the bookshelf. Chomsky, 9-11. And I think, I have a, I have a memory... this book this book is signed (laughs) hugs and kisses noam Chomsky, and uh i i think that's my own writing i guess that was a joke that i i don't even remember that (laughs) anyway i i recall that uh i bought this book right in the wake of 9-11, this was apparently published 2001, is that right? Anyway, I probably bought it 2002 in Calgary and thought myself very learned at the time for like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to just believe whatever the government's saying. Oh, no, I'll I'll get what Noam Chomsky is saying about this. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so I do not recommend it at all. <laughs> I, it, this is just pure propaganda. But one point, I'm pretty sure it was Chomsky that made the point that who benefited from 9-11 absolutely every authoritarian power structure on the planet benefited from 9-11 and everyone suddenly thought yay you know now we have a war on terror well guess what our struggle against whoever our enemy of the moment is is the war on terror we're with you america and i'm pretty sure it was chomsky who made that point i don't remember if it was in this book or one of the interviews that he did post 9-11 that was a, an important point that i i certainly picked up on and i have myself um uh, 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 proffered to the audience many times that I think that's absolutely right. Yes, every authoritarian power structure in the world did benefit from the War of Terror and from the 9-11 uh, itself. It's just Chomsky obviously is not going to tell you the whole truth on what really happened there. If you don't know about Chomsky and his 9-11 views, uh, I have I have talked about it in the archives. So um, I'll throw in a link to um, my Chomsky 9-11 Slash gatekeeping expose uh, for people to get caught up to speed on that. Yeah, I don't recommend Noam Chomsky's 9 11 book. I just, I've kept it on my shelf. I've had it for decades now, and it's actually a running joke to myself that I don't even remember. (laughs) Hugs and kisses, Noam Chomsky. (laughs) All right, uh, here's an interesting book Dollars for Terror by Richard LeBevier. And I must admit, in my headlong rush of going through and just getting as much material as possible for the documentary, I didn't have a chance to explore the real backstory of this Richard LeBevier, who, as far as I understand, is a real um, journalist, I believe a Swiss journalist. At any rate, um, a real-deal journalist who wrote this really interesting book in the 90s that has some information that really only sources from LeBevier, but that seems to be real, talking about, um, for example, the FBI's investigation into Ramzi Youssef and, and questions of Youssef's supposed alleged ties to intelligence agencies and other such things that I do cite in the documentary. So again, it's linked up in the transcript. Um, but I don't I don't really know LeBevier or what he has done since then. I just know Dollars for Terror. Um, this is a terrible edition of the book that was clearly some sort of print-on-demand madness that was printed backwards slightly. It starts at the back of the book and then you got to flip to the front to continue reading and stuff. It's just... it's it's a crazy mess of a print error that i received so i don't think i would necessarily recommend um, purchasing the print-on-demand version of this book but anyway uh, i believe it's free on online to read Uh, there is a some site that uh, at any rate when i made the documentary there was some site that it was available for reading online in a not very nice format but at any rate it was for free so i'll try to throw that link in if it still exists um, anyway, yeah, there's some, definitely some interesting pieces of information about the Al-Qaeda puzzle that you will not get from other, anywhere else, but that seems to be cited. Um, I would not say extensive, well, there is some extensive, there are footnotes and what have you, but some of the most tantalizing claims seem to only source from Le Bivier, So, hmm, take it for what it's worth. Um... Uh, let's look at Black 9-11 um, by Mark Gaffney. Um, now, you will remember I interviewed Mark Gaffney about this book so back in the day. So um, there's that and uh, a lot of really interesting and good information from a number of different perspectives, sometimes kind of surprising that he would go into, for example, a, t- a chapter about AIG, American International Group, and really get into their their background and what have you, um, tying that into the financial shenanigans surrounding 9-11 and things like that. And then other things that um, that I, I I haven't really seen any other 9-11 researchers picking up on, talking about um, the cock deception, the CIA's other money laundering banks and uh, Nugent Hand and how those types of shenanigans play into this B-O-N-Y in the Fed. Um, but also things that people probably do know more about. Uh, the Shoot down um, honey Honjurss miraculous flying abilities um, remote control nine eleven uh, the insider trading um, and uh, various other explorations there's a lot of good information in here um, I would definitely recommend it for any serious nine eleven researchers so um, check that out. check out my interview with Mark Daphne if you're intrigued by that um, the watchdogs didn't bark yes so People will know from a couple of my interviews that I've done on the False Flags documentary, uh, "The Watchdogs That Didn't Bark" is definitely something to have in your arsenal. It's by D- uh, John Duffy and Ray Novoselsky, who are a couple of independent filmmakers, who were the ones, I believe, behind pre- uh, 9/11 Press for Truth, which was a core documentary from, I believe, 2004, 2005, maybe. That's uh, it was an early 9/11 documentary that goes into Some of the really rock solid information based on um, the history timeline, history commons, uh, history commons timeline of 9/11, and goes through some of the incredibly important points about the development of the war of terror, um, for example. So, um, and and the watchdogs didn't bark is essentially the story of how Duffy and Novishowski found themselves in 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 an interview with Richard Clark that they were recording that turned into Richard Clark suddenly telling them about, oh, by the way, and I think the CIA were covering up uh, these, these hijackers, and I think they were trying to flip these guys. And suddenly this entire story was essentially dropped onto their laps. And... There's a whole other story about the podcast that they tried to make, and they were threatened with legal action by the CIA for releasing it, who is Rich Blee, because they were going to name Richard Blee as one of the people in the bowels of the CIA at that time, who was who has an important part to play in this whole story that I do talk about in the documentary. Anyway, there's a whole story behind that that I've talked about in the past, but uh, the Watchdogs Didn't Bark is ultimately the book that sprang from that project. Um, they never m- ended up getting their documentary on it made, although, as obviously you've seen, that Richard Clark footage, that interview footage, is available online. But um, they have a number of interviews with key players in this story um, th- that tells some important po- points. In fact, this and oops, this book... Disconnecting the Dots by Kevin Fenton are swirling around some of the same subjects. Disconnecting the Dots is essentially an entire book about what was summarized in footnote 44 of whatever, chapter 6 of the 9 11 Commission report, the the deepest mystery of 9 11, according to the 9 11 commissioners, anyway, um, regarding the movements of uh, uh, Al Hazmi and Al Maidar. Um, in the year, year and a half prior to 9-11, and the Malaysia summit, and uh, the deliberate disconnecting of the dots, that absolutely, we can 100% on the record prove that the CIA knew about and actively suppressed information on people, the the discovery of whom would have completely foiled the 9-11 plot. Whatever you think that plot was, the exposing of these patsies, these dupes, these toys, whatever role you think they were playing in whatever plot did or did not exist, um, the exposure of that would have completely upended the plot itself. And this is the absolute ironclad, step-by-step, 100% detailed story, the deep dive uh, into that incredible story. So this is a few hundred pages. You will note that I essentially summarized (laughs) these few hundred pages in, oh, I don't know what Certainly not more than 10 minutes of screen time in the documentary. Probably like five minutes. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, clearly ridiculous. So, anyway, absolutely must read. This is an incredibly important book for serious scholars and students of the 9 11 story. Uh, the Watchdogs Didn't Bark um, covers a lot of the same material, but there's other material in here as well. Um, I'd say they're both worth your time and attention. Um speaking of which, uh Peter Dale Scott, The Road to 9 11 Wealth, Empire, and the Future of America. Now, uh the title might make you think this is a 9-11 truth book, but uh it certainly starts out in way past uh a d- few decades before 9-11. Um and and talks about things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to find in here. I think this was really a project that Peter Dale Scott had been working on for many years. And 9-11 kind of happened and became part of that project. That's my understanding of this anyway. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a 9-11 book, but it does obviously get into 9-11 towards the end. Um, but in the early bit, actually, uh, it, I find it extremely useful for getting uh, a, a really vivid sense of The internal machinations of the deep state, which we tend to think of as, again, it's just this one monolithic thing and everyone's on the same team and they all share the same script and they're all working the same agenda. No, not necessarily. And uh, he goes into specific detail of some of the different groups that were operating, for example, during the uh, Nixon slash Kissinger era and what their disagreements were and how they played out, for example, as they went on into the, the Carter era, and then the Afghanistan uh, invasion, and the different groups that were at play in that. Um, he goes into some very interesting detail that I haven't seen covered um, by a lot of other researchers, and then gets into BCCI, and uh, uh, the origins of al Qaeda in Afghanistan, and Al-Kifah, and things like this. He does... Mention, I believe, Ali Muhammad in here, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a thorough treatment of Ali Muhammad. But anyway, definitely worth your time. Um, I believe this came out 2006, uh, 2007. So again, there's a lot of 9/11 related information that isn't in here that came out after this was published. Um, but I would say it's a, it's a handy book to have on various aspects of what I cover in the documentary. Now, speaking of Ali Muhammad, well, if you want to know about Ali Muhammad, a good place to start would be, as far as I know, the only single-volume book that has been written specifically about Ali Muhammad, uh, Triple Cross, How Bin Laden's Master Spy Penetrated the CIA, the Green Berets, and the FBI by Peter Lance, who is also the author of 1,000 Years for Revenge. Um, Boy, yeah, if you want to start diving into the Ali Muhammad story, this is the this is the book to do it. It's uh, how many pages? Something like uh, 500 pages. 500 and change. And goes through the entire life story, the unlikely incredible life story of what, again, as I've referred to many times in my interviews about the uh, False Flags documentary, this is one of those things that it's just, it's absolutely incomprehensible. This story is totally utterly insane if we were to take the 9-11 and al-Qaeda story at face value. There's no way to explain it. That's why it's just never brought up. <laughs> How many times have you ever heard a mainstream talking head ever talking about Ali Muhammad and his connection and what was going on there? Pretty much never. Pretty much never. Um, and consequently, because the dog is always chasing the tail, the independent media is always talking about whatever the mainstream media is talking about and completely and utterly has ignored the Ali Muhammad story. So as I've pointed out many times, I've heard from numerous people. I've never heard about Ali Muhammad. How did I not know this story? uh, Good question. Anyway, this would be a good place to start getting up to speed on it. I don't, I do not uh, believe that well, there are certain conclusions and certain things that Peter Lance comes to that I do not agree with, but at any rate he has certainly done his homework and has an incredible amount of detail in here that comes from original research, firsthand interviews with many of the people involved, etc. So definitely definitely if you are interested in the Ali Muhammad story, you need this book on your bookshelf. All right, moving right along. Why not? Uh, the 2001 anthrax deception. Speaking of Previous Corbett report guests Gray McQueen, who you will know I've had uh, the opportunity to cite on a couple of recent podcasts for various things that he's written. Well, you will also remember that I had the chance to interview Gray McQueen about the 2001 anthrax deception back when it was first published, and it is a, uh, a relatively slim volume, 200 pages of relatively large type, so it's not a it's not an incredibly difficult read. It's uh, it could go fairly quickly. But it does go into uh, as much detail as you could want about the Anthrax investigation and what came of it and what didn't come of it and where it stands. Anyway, you can see my interview with Graham uh, McQueen for more details about this, but definitely an interesting part of, again, something that's only mentioned really in passing in the uh, False Flags documentary, but an incredibly important part of the broader story of the developing War of Terror. That is worth your time and attention. All right. Uh, uh, if you're interested in that War of Terror, of course, uh, Fool's Errand by Scott Horton, who, again, I did interview, so you can go back and re-watch that interview if you want more details about what's contained in this book, but essentially details about the war in Afghanistan, how it developed, and then how it was waged. Um, obviously published a few years ago, so this was while the war was still actually going on. Um, Anyway, lots and lots of information about the Afghan war and various players involved in it. Uh, the Commission, The Uncensored History of the 9-11 Investigation by Philip Shannon or Sheenan. I've never bothered to learn how to pronounce his name. Anyway, <laughs> that guy, um, which from from this book, there are some details about the 9-11 Commission report that um, are still... I was going to say widely known and cited in the 9-11 truth community. I'm not sure there exists a 9-11 truth community anymore, and I'm not sure what they widely know or cite anymore. (laughs) But I remember back in the day, it was common knowledge, certain things that uh, came from Philip Shenan's reporting. For example, um, the the fact that uh, Zelikow and his uh, co-writer, Brian May... Um, or is that the Queen guitarist? Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get things confused, Bradley. Uh, anyway, his co-writer um, wrote the entire outline of the entire final report of the 9-11 Commission, including chapter titles and headings and subheadings and sub subheadings, completely all of that detailed uh, before the 9-11 Commission had even had convened one meeting of the Commission. I mean, hmm. Kind of weird, huh? And of course, the uh, internal staffers uh, were circulating their own parody of that, the uh, 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 parodying the Warren Commission report, um, uh, as if, oh, you know, here's the Warren Commission report before the Warren Commission has even been held. We don't know yet, but we're really sure about the magic bullet. Um, anyway, there's tidbits like that in here that are valuable, and that I'm glad that we do know from Philip shannon's reporting um however having said that this is i mean you're not going to get the super real inside scoop on the 9-11 commission and what it was really doing you just get some of the glossy internal politics essentially of the commissioners and things you don't get deep dives into the fundamental conflicts of interests the torture testimony you know the real hard-hitting details so it's it's a mainstream Exposé, I guess we could say. Um, Limited hangout. More to the point. All right, here's an interesting, interesting book. The 9-11 Investigation, Volume 1 by J.M. Berger. Is there a Volume 2? Well, anyway, um, this isn't a book so much as it is a literal reproduction of hundreds and hundreds of pages of FBI documents with regard to 9-11. And you'll see I've highlighted some little passages here and there. Because some of these are important, but these are probably all available online if you know where to look. At this point, I, I would say they are available online at this point. But hey, they've been collected into this handy-dandy volume, which you can purchase from J.M. Burger of Intel Wire. Well, anyway, I, I yeah, I could not recommend this for anyone but the deepest of deepest deep dive researchers in, into 9/11. And a- again, at this point, I'm I mean, these documents have been have been released, have been combed through. There is certainly not going to be any incredible gotcha in here that you've never known before. And you'll also get lots of wonderful pages of big redactions that you can't read anything of importance. So, I mean, if reading these kinds of documents is your thing, then I guess this could serve as a book. But uh, if this was your thing, then you would probably already have read all of these documents, right? So, I don't know. It's just a weird book. Hey, and you know what? There we go. We're done. We're done. All of those books. All right. And so that. Oh, wait. We're not even. <laughs> we're not done. We're not even halfway through. Those are just the physical books sitting there on the bookshelf. Now we got to get to the electronic books. <laughs> oh, you thought you were done. Um, well, So where should we start in the Electronic Archive? All right, let's start with a book that I have had cause to cite in a couple of interviews recently for the False Flags documentary, Secret Affairs, Britain's Collusion with Radical Islam by Mark Curtis. Now, as you will know if you have listened to those interviews where I have referred to this book, it is an excellent, very well-researched, very valuable resource, especially, obviously, as you will see from the title, given Britain's collusion with radical Islam, it's very much a focus on the British government um, throughout, throughout the centuries and its relation to radical Islam. And there's a lot of good information in here, including a lot of original research, um, actual deep diving into the FCO um, uh, archives, documents that are not pu- published or available online so it was a very genuinely helpful resource especially for part one and sort of that deep background that I was doing in part one but I think it would be relevant and interesting to anyone who's interested in this subject matter I would really recommend it I think it's an important book. Um, let's turn to a uh, several books from Peter Bergen that will all blend together in my mind, because they were all about as equally useful, which is to say not very much. Um, But for people who don't know, Peter Bergen was the person um, who originally, the original Westerner to interview Osama bin Laden back in 1997. And that clip of Osama bin Laden saying, you will see and hear about us in the media, God willing, that I've played a couple of times, uh, is from that Peter Bergen interview. So, keep in mind, this is Peter Bergen uh, um, affiliated with CNN at that point, I believe, and he was, you know, all these intelligence agencies looking for this Osama bin Laden reclusive mastermind um, who would go on to issue his fatwa. He had not issued it by that point. At any rate, um, was certainly becoming an enemy of the United States at this point, but it's Peter Bergen who gets blindfolded and taken out into the, the wilds of Afghanistan and gets to meet this uh this this particular person. Um and that was a year before the the meeting um in 1998 with ABC that I pointed to at the beginning of the documentary. Anyway, so Peter Bergen considers himself a bit of a Osama bin Laden expert I guess these days. And so he has uh produced a few books uh, about Osama bin Laden. Um one of one, one of them that I read was The Rise and Fall of Osama bin Laden and again, it's just sort of the, it goes over the broad arc of the Osama Bin Laden story, the official parts of which, obviously. Um, and there's there's details in there that are interesting uh, and important, but again, nothing that's going to be mind-blowing. If you're deep, deep into the research of this Bin Laden character, you'll probably want to know, at the very least, the sort of basic um, functioning of the, the mainstream story. But as I say, Nothing that's going to blow your mind um, in here. Although I did find it particularly funny, this one passage where um, uh, he, uh, talking about when he came back uh, from Afghanistan for a brief visit in 1986, back to um, Saudi Arabia, and He urged an audience in Jeddah to boycott all U.S. goods, for example, even American apples, because he believed that without the support of the United States, Israel couldn't exist. He banned his own family from drinking Pepsi and Coca-Cola, though some of his children would continue drinking American soft drinks behind his back. So there you go. Even Osama bin Laden couldn't keep his family in check, as it were. Anyway, you know, take that for what it's worth. Another Peter Bergen book that I read, uh, Manhunt, 10-year search for bin Laden. Again, obviously talking sort of the mainstream narrative of bin Laden slipping away after Tora Bora and where and how he ended up in Abbottabad and that raid and all of that. So again, official story kind of stuff. And uh, finally, Holy War, Inc., which I read an abridged version of that's available as an ebook. And again, a lot of the same sort of stuff. So... Uh, I would say nothing particularly mind-blowing in there, nothing very vital. If you're deep into the research, you might want those books. Otherwise, not really worth your time or attention. Uh, Let's turn to J. Michael Springman, author of Visas for Al-Qaeda. I'm sure my regular audience will know about this book because I have, for example, interviewed Michael Springman specifically about this book when it was first released. I've talked to Michael Springman on a couple of occasions. He was featured in the 9-11 Whistleblowers series, so I'm sure you know the bare bones of his story by now. But if not, and even if you do know the bare bones, you might want to know some of the actual detail. And he goes into detail in this book, naming names and talking about the specific events that led to him being at that consulate uh, in Jeddah and then the subsequent uh, events that took place there and um, essentially passing visas for Al-Qaeda. Um, at the CIA's request. A, a fascinating, important part of the whole, the bigger nine eleven picture. So I will uh, commend that to your attention, uh, as well as my interview with Springman about the book. Um, another very, I think, valuable um, resource was Ali Soufan's The Black Banners, which was originally published, I believe, over a decade ago in a heavily redacted form. Um, because like all FBI workers or CIA workers who leave the service, they have to get their books essentially screened by the government for official secrets and redacted as need be. There has since been an unredacted or a less redacted version that has since been released, the sort of uncensored version. Um, So uh, that is the one that you'd probably want to be picking up these days. Um, But obviously, Ali Safan, for people who don't know, was uh, a lead FBI investigator who took over after John O'Neill left FBI to take up his post at the World Trade Center days before 9-11. He ended up taking over that investigation, and then obviously he was on the 9-11 trail after that. Um, Obviously he was an FBI investigator, so this is not going to be an inside job type of story, but he does have valuable information about the inner workings of the FBI investigation and how it was hampered and by whom and in what ways. And some very interesting and uh, salacious leads along those lines, if you're thinking along those lines. And a lot of good information just generally about sort of the background and what have you. So um, I did cite the Black Banners several times in the documentary. I think it's, it's worth your time. Um, it's an interesting story. Uh, here's another J.M. Berger uh, book. We read the, or we were looking at that 9 11 investigations. Uh, uh, where'd that book go? The 9/11 investigation, Volume One. Remember the uh, the documents, essentially the FBI documents that he printed online. Well, uh, I also consulted a different book of documents by uh, that J.M. Berger compiled, "Beatings and Bureaucracy: The Founding Memos of Al Qaeda," <laughs> which uh, is a uh, it's a compilation of documents that were seized from the Sarajevo offices of, and I'm going to forget the name of this the. Benevolence International Foundation, the Al-Qaeda-linked charity that was raided um, post-September 11th, and a number of documents were seized and um, were then scanned, pages in Arabic. And these pages represent some of the the earliest reports of the founding of Al-Qaeda and its early years. So um, there's, there's quite a few in here that have been obviously translated, and if you are a researcher and you're interested, apparently, well, in, in the introduction, Jamberger Berger gives an email address that you can write into if you're a scholar and you want to do your own translation of these documents, he'll send them to you or something. So, these are apparently translated by the, well, I believe, at any rate, they were provided by the Justice Department. I'm not sure who did this translation for this edition, but, um... Uh, I, I don't know the, the provenance of that or how it came into J.M. Berger's hands, whether they are widely available online or whether these are only available through this book. Anyway, here they are, and specifically the document that I refer to um, in the creating of the documentary was the founding of Al-Qaeda, August to September 1988, um, which is a document that talks about the people who were there at the meeting when they were first talking about the founding of this um, organization in August of 88, and then the requirements to enter Al Qaeda, the pledge that I cite in do- uh, part one, all come from this document. So, again, uh, probably th- this is not light bedtime reading. This is documents, translated documents of Arabic um, memos and things that were related to the founding of Al Qaeda. Um, just pure information, essentially. Uh, all right, Steve Call wrote a book called *Ghost Wars: The Secret History of the CIA, Afghanistan, and Bin Laden*. From the Soviet invasion to September tenth, two thousand one. So, if you really want to get the deep dive specifically on the Afghan War, nineteen eighties edition, the Soviet edition, and then into the nineties and um, the the battle that was going on there with the, against the Taliban and and uh, uh, all of that. Intrigue and the players there, and the CIA operatives that were there, and what they were doing, and what have you. This is a good book. Again, this is not going to be super far outside the mainstream. There's going to be stuck in a sort of a mainstream narrative, but there's a lot of key details in there. Um, It's pretty extensive, a lot of information. I would uh, recommend it if you're interested in the subject. Um, Another book along those lines by Gary Berntson Jawbreaker, the attack on bin Laden and Al Qaeda which I'm sure you will know by now. Um, if you saw the documentary, for example, I did have a little clip of Bernson in there and um, did hear his side of the story of the miraculous escape of bin Laden from Tora Bora. How did that happen? Well, Bernson has the inside details. Essentially, he was literally prevented from going after bin Laden by his superiors. He swears he could have done it quite easily if he had just been given the resources, but they refused and bin Laden got away. Um so make of that make of that what you will but anyway if you want the inside story from the person who was actually there um this is this is it obviously take it with a grain of salt being an ex intelligence official Um uh a book that I did cite uh for example I, one of the read-alongs or the watch-alongs that we were doing I think I think in the Q&A uh, part of the the watch-along um there was a a question about the uh Uh, the WMDs in Iraq and why didn't they just plant some? And I did talk about that story that that has made the rounds and probably still circulates among some people. They did find WMDs and it did turned out they were right all along. I guess the neocons were right, Uh, which is baloney. And I did point to enough already Time to End the War on Terrorism by Scott Horton. Um, He has a chapter in there that goes in depth into that um, particular piece of propaganda amongst other things related to the Iraq war run up. So definitely... Um, some good information in there. Moving right along. uh, No Easy Day, the first-hand account of the mission that killed Osama bin Laden by Mark Owen and Kevin Maurer, um, which is one of the first-hand accounts of how we got Osama. That, uh, again, uh, largely, I listened to the audiobook, it largely went in one ear, came out the other. Um, Again, if you're looking for the real story of Osama bin Laden and what really happened there, I would say look elsewhere but take it for what it's worth. Oh, that reminds me actually something that I didn't have prepared on my list here but that I did consult and I'm not going to be able to bring it up but uh there was a um an ebook uh a Seymour Hersh ebook that was uh, uh about the killing of Osama bin Laden but um, word to the wise, as I found out, it was literally just a compilation of a few of his essays for the London Review of Books that can be found online for free. So do not buy his uh Seymour Seymour Hirsch's ebook on the killing of Osama bin Laden, because uh it's not worth it. You can get it for free. Um but anyway, no easy day, not is not particularly it's a fun story, I guess, if you are interested in the story side of the killing of Osama Bin Laden, but it is a fairy tale, so um, definitely not worth it from an informational point of view. And then finally, uh, A Pretext for War, 9 Iraq and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies by James Bamford. I'm sure you're aware of Bamford and his reporting over the years. Um, for example, as far as I know, the first reporter to actually... Report on and break the story of the release of the operation Northwood's doc- documents, which he reported on in April of two thousand one, which suddenly became quite relevant a few months later um, so he's done a lot of important work over the years obviously he's not a nine eleven truther but um, he does have a lot of information that's of relevance and importance especially about the nSA and what have you and uh, so i w- I went into pretext for war with high hopes um, not sure they were completely met the nine eleven sl- portion of it is, uh, certainly nothing that's going to be interesting or mind-blowing for my audience. In fact, it's going to be very mainstreamy. A lot of the sort of the mainstream official story of what happened on 9-11. Um, but when he gets into Iraq and the preparations for war in Iraq, that's where it definitely gets more useful, and, uh, I think you'll see I cited him a couple of times in part three of the documentary talking about the Iraq war run-up and some of the, um, the things that were going on behind the scenes as the neocons began to wrap up the war agenda. And speaking of wrapping up, I think we'll leave it there for now. There are other books that I did consult for this, but uh, as I say... um, uh, you will find all, again, as always, I cite all the references of everything that I'm, I'm citing in the documentary. So you will find the link to the book if I did talk about it. But these are sort of the main books that I re- was uh, consulting in the creation of this documentary. Um, sort of the, 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 the big, the, the meat and potatoes of what I was researching here. Uh, I hope that's enough for you, at least to keep you occupied for a little while. Now, here's the big proviso that I should have put at the very beginning of this (laughs) long spiel, because now 99% of the audience has tuned out. But anyway, I'll put it here instead. Um, This is specifically, it's called the false flags reading list, but it's really an Al-Qaeda Reading list. It's about this story, the the founding of Al Qaeda, the spectacular terror attacks. Um, it's as you can see, this list contains both mainstream sources and alternative sources, and it's you know as always, it's up to you to pick through what information is useful and what you can discard, etc. This is just to give you an idea of the some of the books that I used and whether and maybe some of them will seem interesting to you and you'll pick them up. Um, if so, give me the feedback about what you thought about any of these books. Always interested to hear that, and also um, yes. So the proviso is that this is not a nine eleven reading list. So <laughs> if your edition of that uh, it, them bear tower sure did explode funny book isn't in this list, it's because this is not a nine eleven book list, and it's not meant to be. Um, other than that since you are the very, very few who will actually sit through 45 minutes of me recommending books <laughs> and to, all the way to the very end, congratulations, because you are one of the very few. And so you are really, I think, the core audience that I'm really speaking to here. People who presumably actually are interested in this material really do. Are, are deep diving, are interested in deep diving, really want to know about the material and the research, etc. So you're, I think you're probably my kind of folks. And that means that I'm especially interested in soliciting your questions for the next edition of qfc which will be specifically uh, false flags documentary qfc um there has been some question and answer that um, brock and myself and uh ryan christian were doing in the watch-alongs as the documentary was being released earlier this summer you might recall that um so Uh, there have been some questions asked, but more questions have come in. But I'm interested if there are other questions that you have out there about the documentary, issues that it raised, specific points that you wanted addressed, etc. Please do get those questions in in the course of the next week. And in the next edition of Questions for Corbett, I will be uh, answering some of those questions. So I appreciate, again, all your time and feedback and attention and (laughs) the never-ending never-ending question of what books do you recommend will continue to come back, so I'm sure we will have further reading lists in the future. (laughs) But in the meantime, hopefully this couple dozen suggestions will tide you over until then. Um, That's going to do it for today. Thank you for tuning in. James Corbett, Corbett CorbettReport.com. We all know the story of Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. Bin Laden was responsible for today's attack. So often was that story repeated in the wake of 9-11 that the hypnotized public forgot that it was, at base, just that. A story. If they didn't have an Osama bin Laden out there, they'd invent one. In False Flags, The Secret History of Al-Qaeda, you will learn the truth behind that story and uncover the lies that led to the War of Terror. Our war on terror begins with Al-Qaeda, but it does not end there. Watch the documentary for free at corbettreport.com slash al-Qaeda or support the filmmaker and purchase the documentary on DVD at newworldnextweek.com.